0: And just a disclaimer we are not doctors. Information shared in this podcast is not meant as medical advice. We do not intend to diagnose, treat, or cure. We intend to delineate knowledge for educational purposes only.
1: Welcome to Native Trees and a Bag of Weeds podcast. I'm Messy. And I'm your boy, Jared Wade. How you doing, Messy?
0: I'm doing pretty good.
1: Yeah, it's been a good day. Been a good week, weekend, week, all of it, kind of.
0: I think you fixed me this week. I did, yeah. I don't know what happened, but he just like gave me this like life-altering hug.
1: I had that power. (laughs) I'm going to start charging for that.
0: Like... I don't even remember why. You just squeezed me really hard. And then I was like, wait, that kind of felt good. And then he did it again, except he like over tightened. And then I reached a point where like, I couldn't even tell him to stop that he was literally squeezing the life out of me. And (laughs) I actually had a moment where my life flashed before my eyes because I didn't know what to do to make him stop.
1: You tap. (laughs) I was having
0: oxygen shut off from the whole upper half of my body. But my it fixed brain, your brain did not go there. I had the absolute best week.
1: Mood wise, yeah. Mood wise
0: yeah. at work and just like all together. Like he could even tell over the phone while I like after work and stuff that my mood was just a million times different. And the only thing I changed this week
1: was getting was the- out of the- <laughs>
0: was getting the life squeezed out of me on Tuesday yeah well that was phenomenal if anybody hugs. knows the science behind that I'd love to know because that was epic
1: you can't watch TikTok while I'm we're recording the podcast I'm trying to get to your live so I have been uh, off of TikTok for a week and today was my return ma'am I'm trying to conversate with you
0: I'm listening oh, okay
1: so, I, I'm back on TikTok after a week off. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, How
0: are your videos doing?
1: Uh, They're on there.
0: <laughs>
1: so, go check them out.
0: I am Maybe. trying to get more consistent in posting at least once a day. So, even if I make like more than one video a day, I don't post it. I'm just saving it in my drafts. So, I can use them on the days where I don't get to make a video. Oh, yeah. So, I'm trying to get better at the whole social media thing. Making trying to post once a day from the instagram's
1: yeah I I was supposed to take my week off as a content building week so that I was a week ahead a week ahead on all content mm-hmm. I like had some in the bag and I did a very poor job at that but <laughs> we're uh, we're back in the game so here we are did you do anything cool this week when it Relates to your hobby of herbalism? What are you drinking?
0: goldenrod and peppermint tea.
1: Goldenrod peppermint tea? Yeah. Cool. I am drinking whiskey and lemon juice.
0: Boy, you lie. What you <laughs> drinking?
1: It okay. Um I am white. It is a pumpkin spice whiskey sour.
0: <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, so I made some pumpkin spice syrup out of the herbs I got to make my pumpkin spice bath tea blend.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I made some pumpkin spice syrup. It was very good. And I'm trying to find all the things that you can put it in. I put it in Dr. Pepper earlier. Yeah,
1: I had one of those. That was delicious. Yeah.
0: I don't know why Dr. Pepper has not capitalized on pumpkin, pumpkin spice Dr. Dr. Pepper. Yeah,
1: the white people would lose Or why
0: any soda... Has it like oh, even yeah. Coca-Cola would this. probably be really good with pumpkin spice
1: at all. Not that I recall. Do you imagine no. like a pumpkin spice cream soda?
0: Oh, that does sound good.
1: Yeah. It'll be delicious. Yeah.
0: You know, I made a pumpkin spice Cosmo last night, and that was delicious, but I had to kind of wing that because I thought surely a pumpkin spice Cosmo was a thing, and I could just Pinterest the recipe. That didn't work, so then I tried to Pinterest pumpkin spice and cranberry. That didn't work. I even went to Google and didn't find anything, so I just had to make it up on my own, and y'all, it was so good. I don't know, and I don't like pumpkin spice lattes.
1: Yeah, I'm not, I like pumpkin pie, and I always did like the pumpkin pie oatmeal, like it's my breakfast. Yeah. With the pumpkin filling in it and stuff. Like, I'm not pumpkin spice to the point where I'm, like, going to put on my Uggs But you've and always been more
0: pumpkin spice I than like the, me. I like pumpkin flavor. But I'm really yeah. enjoying the pumpkin spice syrup. Yeah.
1: We'll make sure you don't spill me again.
0: I mean, you're, <laughs> like, you've got your drink sitting right behind me, and I'm trying to... I'll move it then. Get I'll comfortable move it. and relax um,
1: here. We did eat uh, battered and fried okra flowers for supper. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it tasted like fried.
0: Yeah, it was a little slimy. Apparently, the flowers have the same kind of mucilage as um, okra does. That makes them slimy.
1: But you get to call them hibiscus. So, (laughs) I mean. I
0: don't think that's how that works. They're a type of, they're part of the mallow family, and hibiscus are also part of the mallow family. I don't think okra is a hibiscus. Hibiscus
1: still work (laughs) for what you would call that.
0: Okay. Um, You're not letting go of that, are you? No, I'm not. Okay.
1: We Now, I, we can do some of our uh, swamp rosemallow next year, and it would technically be more hibiscus. It, it
0: is hib- hibiscus-y. Yeah. It is like just a wild swamp hibiscus. Yes, and they're yeah, beautiful. That's they one are. of my
1: favorite plants we found this year, as far as beauty.
0: But they do all kind of function the same. They've got a very similar looking flower. They They close and open the same, like... Now. Anyway.
1: Anyway. Anyway. So we we utilized our entire week to prepare for tonight's podcast, didn't we? I meant the last hour. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: we, we utilized the entire day doing lots of that. We did. We got lots of stuff today. Uh,
1: we got tons of passion fruit.
0: Well, I went and harvested some goldenrod. I pulled in some zinnia and some marigolds with the help of the youngest... Um, then we rode around and picked some passion and passion fruit, and I got a whole lot of that in there. I got some more kale and some more okra. I fed some chickweed and some radishes to the chickens. They really enjoyed that.
1: Yeah. I missed out on the last of the muscadines. mm they're, Shame. they're gone.
0: I have a lot of juice. I need to do something with them. Yeah.
1: And we got four or five pounds of frozen muscadines that will um go toward the wine making. Yeah,
0: I'm definitely making liquor with it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to hand deliver the, the full intact muscadines to your brother to make wine out of. So that'll be cool. That will be Anito.
0: Well, shall we get started? Yeah, and
1: I will to be honest. I have no clue what you were talking about.
0: You tonight. haven't accidentally peeked at my notes. If it's I, that, I just accidentally flashed them at you. Not I, the notes. I'll give you a hint. Goldenrod. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I had an, an inkling an of inkling. a feeling. I
0: also told you a couple times this week that I was probably going to take a step back. I know we've been doing um,
1: culinary, culinary
0: herbs. Yeah. There is a goldenrod petal on my tongue. Um, I know we've been doing kind of like the culinary herbs and I've been doing a series on that. Um, but I don't know if anybody's looked around lately. There's goldenrod everywhere. everywhere. Like this is the season to harvest your goldenrod. Um, cause the blooms have medicinal value. So everybody's talking about goldenrod. You can find it everywhere. I've been patiently waiting weeks for it to bloom so I can get it, um, I finally drove around today and picked a good little helping of it. And I'll have plenty more ready next week. Um, still being patient. Maybe I'll be able to get to it before the storm gets here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm talking about today. I'm going to talk about goldenrod because that's kind of the a seasonal thing we got going on right now.
1: It seems to me that late summer easing into fall, as we are now, is the season of yellow flowering anything. Like... If you had to color times of the year, it is yellow. Everything right now that's blooming seems to be yellow.
0: So I think that yellow flower that we were talking about earlier is actually ragwort. Really? Yes. Which is apparently a, quote, toxic lookalike of goldenrod, but I don't... It looks nothing like goldenrod. It looks nothing like goldenrod, but one of my books um, had it listed as a look It and, um, oh, what was the other one? There was another plant that it had um, listed as a lookalike, and it looked more like a dandelion to me.
1: What looked more like goldenrod to me was like, was it the horseweed? Horseweed, yeah. Yeah. Before it bloomed. yeah. yeah. But now that it's bloomed, it looks nothing like. Yeah,
0: before blooming, it looked very similar. And I used to wonder about it because I would be like, oh, look at this goldenrod. But it would be next to goldenrod, and the stalk and the um, leaves would be like a different shade of green. And I'm like, oh, this is just... This is really weird that this goldenrod is growing a different shade of green. (laughs) And then they started blooming about a month and a half or two ago. And I was like, oh, the goldenrod's blooming really early this year. And it never turned yellow. Instead, they look like teeny tiny little 99 poofs. Yes, they do. And and I was like, this is really weird. This isn't what I was led to believe goldenrod looks like. And so I did a little bit of research and realized that horsetail weed... Grows in much the same places as goldenrod. Looks very similar, but it does bloom earlier. And it has medicinal properties also. Hmm. Um, but not what I was after. Oh, yeah. So I waited patiently for goldenrod to bloom. And it's so pretty.
1: It really is. It's
0: so bright yellow and cheery. Um, so goldenrod is part of the solidago genus. And there are over 100 solidago species in North America. Wow. Um, Solidago canadensis is the most common eastern species in America. It's part of the sunflower or daisy family we know as the asterosae family. Um, Solidago is Latin. It means to make whole or to heal. Um, Also known as goldruth or woundwort. I think woundwort was another really common name of golden.
1: And it is a most of goldenrod species are native yes, um, to North America. And there are actually a few of the species that are like rare and only found in like certain, there's a couple that's only native to very small portions of Alabama, like up in I North mean, there's Alabama.
0: like a Missouri goldenrod that yeah. is specifically named Missouri goldenrod because it's native to the Missouri area.
1: Yeah. I think it was one of the things that the native plant talk guy pointed out on one of his videos where he, has a couple places where it's like the only places mm-hmm. in the world um, that it's a certain type of goldenrod that's there. So that's yep, pretty neat. though.
0: it's a perennial plant that grows about two to three feet tall. Though we had some at one point that was like five to six feet tall. <laughs> we had some get very very tall. Um, it has alternating toothy leaves that go up the stalk without. There's not like a a leaf stem. It's yeah. just the leaf comes straight straight off the stalk. Um, and then at the very tippy top, you'll get a bundle of branched, teeny little yellow flowers um, that, of course, can be seen shining bright gold along field edges across much of America right now. Um, usually, like I said, late summer, early fall. Keep going. No, I want to. I want to <laughs> watch you try to sling that guitar mm. pick off your arm. I'm good. All right, so like you said, it is native to North America. So goldenrod was actually declared the state flower of Alabama in 1927. Oh, wow. At the same time, this was the same, like, they said goldenrods are state flower, and they said the yellowhammer is the state bird.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, a group of Karens in Butler County had something to say about that.
1: Now it's the, is it the magnolia? Yeah. No.
0: Um, so this group of Southern bells saw it as no more than a weed and thought that it's golden carpet of blooms unworthy of such a title. And in 1959, goldenrod was replaced with the camellia.
1: Camellia.
0: Which is non-native to Alabama. No, most, most
1: state flowers are not.
0: <laughs> but it used to be. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: So we replaced a native bright, cheery flower with a non-native... Eh, flower.
1: Not, sounds about right, yeah. actually.
0: Um, in the article I was reading from an Alabama newsletter, I got kind of hopeful because I got to the point in 1999 where they named a state wildflower.
2: Oh. And I was
0: like, oh, this is a perfect time to kind of give back to Goldenrod. Yeah. Like, we gypped them of a worthy title. Now let's, you know, make a title that we can put Goldenrod into. Yeah. Nope. They didn't choose Goldenrod. They chose the oak leaf hydrangea, which fair point.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty awesome one. It's pretty
0: awesome and native to Alabama, so I can't really argue that. It's just frustrating that Goldenrod got gypped like that. Um, but at least it's native. And the quote I pulled from this article says, leaving Goldenrod in the proverbial ditch where it continues to thrive every autumn. (laughs) 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 That was my favorite part of the article, it's great. Um, But this isn't new. A quote from the herbalist John Gerard in 1597 mentioned how goldenrod was held in a higher esteem in the past. So like before Mm -hmm. 1597, that the dried herb would sell for half a crown an ounce and was a prized commodity from overseas. Like you mentioned, a lot of species Mm -hmm. were rare and specific to certain areas. So it was seen as a very prized commodity. Um, But once naturalized to London, no one would pay that that half a crown for even 100 ounces. So basically, goldenrod is a long-forgotten, once-cherished herb, now constantly disrespected weed. Even found a PubMed article in 2014 claiming that it was an endangered native plant. Hmm. Which, I don't know that it still is.
1: Yeah, it would depend on the species. Like, there are some... That are like even at landmark park in the little native plant, <laughs> the little bitty native plant garden they have there. Mm-hmm. Um, the goldenrod they have there it is native, but it's like a very um.
0: Specific, it wasn't what we had around. No, here. it's a
1: very specific. Um, I wouldn't say endangered, but not as prolific. Yeah. Um, variety of. I looked
0: ron. at it and I could see where it like where I considered it like a relative of golden rib. It makes yeah. sense that it's a species, but it didn't look like what I knew we had growing all over the place. Yeah. Um, but there are a hundred different species, so that makes yeah. sense. So studies have shown that its uses to help relieve pain and swelling, muscle spasms and gout. It's a good diuretic, though its most common uses are as UTI and allergy or rhinitis relief. Um, Though some studies look into its pain and arthritis relief, used um, goldenrod in a blend.
1: (laughs) I'm not, I haven't looked at your notes any further, but coming into this, I know that we're going to have to tackle the goldenrod allergy stuff. Oh, that's my next paragraph. I I hear it most often, everybody's allergies start flaring up this time of year and they're like, it's all the goldenrod is blooming everywhere. Um, yep. But you said it's allergy relief.
0: Yep. You heard that right. So I remember vaguely Goldenrod, like, growing up as being pointed out to, like, for that. Like, everybody gets the sniffles and the fall allergies. You know, you have your springtime allergies, and then you have your fall allergies. Mm-hmm. And I think this comes from we associate allergies with pollen. And so, like, in the spring, we associate pollen, like, we, you know, got the pollen count or whatever and you just have the pollen all over your cars yeah. and it's this yellow dust and we're all like oh my gosh my allergies are allergies are so bad there's pollen all over my cars and that's pine pollen mm-hmm. but fun fact also well, I, well, yeah, I was we're, about to take, take that over for you yes. okay, okay. <laughs> no we're getting there okay i'm getting ahead of myself let me just reel it back getting
2: in. fired up
0: So, everybody gets the sniffles and they associate it with pollen. And then, because we associate pollen with this yellow dust, I think then we associate it with these yellow plants. We see Mm -hmm. these yellow plants blooming at the same time we're getting the sniffles, and we're like, that's it. That's the cause of my sniffles. Um, But in fact, goldenrod cannot be to blame for our seasonal allergies. It is impossible. Its pollen is too big, it's not airborne. And it relies on being carried by pollinators like bees. It does not go into the air at all. Mm-hmm. Like, so you cannot inhale or breathe in goldenrod. It cannot enter your airways.
1: Much like pine trees, right? Much like <laughs> pine pollen. <laughs> yep.
0: So while, yes, your car is covered with pine pollen. So pine pollen is airborne. Yes. But it is too big to it's be big. breathed it, in. It's
1: typically your oak trees and things where yes. you... The pollen's so small that you don't see it. Right is you. That's what's getting
0: you. you. The pollen right. you see is not what's bothering you because yeah. it's not getting... It's, it's too yeah. big and heavy. It's really just basically floating down to your car. Which is why it
1: crashes into stuff. Yeah. like That's why it covers your car.
0: Um, oh, I lost my place. Oh, no. Okay. However... Ragweed can and is often seen around goldenrod, though not as tall and showy. So when ragweed blooms, it blooms the same color as the rest of this plant. It's just this kind of pale green. It's also like half the size Mm -hmm. of goldenrod. So we don't see it. We don't notice it. We see this brightly colored thing, and that's what we choose to blame our allergies on when it's actually ragweed. That's poofing all its airborne pollen gets into our noses and makes our sinuses angry. Um, but not only is goldenrod not to blame for your allergies, it can relieve some of the most pesky allergy symptoms like runny noses and congestion. Even further, a 2007 publication of PDR, which I had to look up, but you can get the PDR um, for herbal medicines on Amazon, hmm. but it is a physician desk reference for herbal medicine. Um, I think the fourth edition is the most recent, and it's a 2007 copy. Um, it states that goldenrod has a weak potential for causing any allergic reaction. So the chances of you even being allergic to goldenrod are very slim, hmm. much less it causing your seasonal allergies. Yeah. Um, not saying it's not impossible. You can be allergic to goldenrod, in which it, case you should you avoid it. But it's a very, very slim chance that yeah. you are, which means all of us walking around with the sniffles are not allergic to goldenrod. So, da-da-da-da-da. all right, pioneers use goldenrod tea uh, for colds and flus and other like mucus producing ailments. Um, goldenrod's very astringent and coupled with its antiseptic properties make it a very good choice in relieving UTIs and flushes the bladder and the urinary tract. Um, it's also a good kidney tonic, which means it keeps your kidney functioning um, and kind of balances um, its function so enough that it per- can prevent kidney stones. Um, it's okay to use goldenrod long-term. I know there's a lot of herbs that you don't want to use mm-hmm. long-term, but goldenrod's okay. However, if you're going to use it long-term, I would suggest talking to your health care provider because it's such a potent diuretic. Yeah. Um, And they, you know, you don't need to add like over the prescription um, diuretics to it. You want like things like your potassium and things like that monitored. Mm -hmm. (coughs) And I wouldn't use it by itself when treating a UTI specifically, um, which I have. I know we're going to talk about my UTI a million times, apparently. (laughs) But Gone Ride leaves were in my blend. like I said, I used everything that was in my possession and mm-hmm. that my book told me was good for UTS. And that's probably the best way to use um, plant medicine and herbal remedies is to make formulations that use a compilation of things because mm-hmm. they all do kind of the same things, but less. they do it all a little bit differently. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so I would at least recommend using a strong diuretic like Goldenrod with like marshmallow marshmallow root Um, or licorice root or those things that are moistening Mm -hmm. so that while you're also pulling out, um, and flushing fluids, you're also moistening it. And so you're not over drying because goldenrod is very drying, astringent herb. You want things to come back behind and kind of moisturize Mm -hmm. those tissues to keep them from getting too dried out and causing irritation. Um... It can be used to heal wounds and skin irritations, especially good in burn ointments. Um, So then I read that it has an anise-like flavor and can be used to flavor mead and homemade sodas, which makes me excited because that means you can make liquor with it. Yes. However, I did just make a goldenrod tea um, because, one, I've got this persistent post-nasal drip I can't get rid of. Um, And two, I was like, well, if I'm going to talk about the flavor, I want to experience the flavor. And I would not... Anise has like a licorice-type flavor to me. Really? That's what anise reminds me of.
2: Hmm.
0: Um, but I did not get that from the Goldenrod tea. And I now didn't use the leaves this time. I just did the blooms. Um. Well, now it just tastes mostly like peppermint because I threw a <laughs> peppermint bag in there. Um. But by itself, it it tasted like collard greens.
1: Really? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I do love. I sipped green. it
0: several times because that's exactly what it reminded me of, and the way it smelled and the way it tasted. It tasted like I was drinking collard green juice. Hmm. Um, all right, so let's jump into the sciency stuff. The constituents. Uh, so first, I got saponins, which we talked about saponins one time before. Um, saponins create. It sounds like soap, mm-hmm. and it sounds like that because it kind of works like that. Yeah. So anything, saponins give certain plants this lathering quality when they're shaken or rubbed in water. Yeah. Um, which I think is really cool. And saponins are also antimicrobial and natural pesticides, immune boosting, and can improve cholesterol levels. So what I find really cool about the saponins and like this lathering antimicrobial quality is these, I think, are going to be your plants that are probably really good to use in soaps. Yes. In like your natural soaps for all you soap makers out there. I don't think Mean Soaper is watching us, but, or if she listens to us, we'll give her a shout out. It's my favorite soap maker. Mean Absolutely. Mean Soap Mean Soaper. She might be mean, um, but her
1: soap is really good. Her
0: soap is really great. (laughs) And I know she uses things like kudzu and stuff, and I don't know if she has a goldenrod soap, but I would be interested in using it because it's apparently very skin-soothing, and it's got those saponins that are going to help with that lather. and
1: Goldenrod and yucca. anti Yucca was the other one Mm -hmm. with saponins we talked about.
0: Um, There were nine diterpenes that play... um, that have moderate antibacterial activity. It's got phenolic acids. Acetylenes were found in the essential oil, and those have antimicrobial compounds. Cinnamic acid, which yeah. is exactly what uh, okay. it sounds like. Okay. Um, yes, this is what gives cinnamon its flavor and scent. It's anti inflammatory, anti diabetic, lowers cholesterol, improves memory, and is prebiotic. Um, which made sense when I got to that. And I was like, oh, that's going to lend to that kind of anise flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I just totally didn't get that from <laughs> my cup well, of goldenrod tea at all. Get,
1: get what you get.
0: Um, there are flavonoids such as quercetin and... That's rude. Uh, quercetin and rutin. Uh, those are natural antihistamines and antioxidants that are also found in apples. Hmm. And why... The phrase "an apple a day keeps the doctor away" came around oh, yeah. because apples were found to be very high in these specific antioxidants. <laughs> um, there are tannins, which are astringent in nature, hydroxybenzoates, and inulin.
1: Inulin, I've which heard we this talked
0: word. about when we were talking about dandelions, yes, it's also very high in chicory. So inulin was this prebiotic dietary dietary mm-hmm. di- diet. Dietary fiber <laughs> that aids in nutrient absorption can also decrease the production of unhealthy cholesterol and triglycerides. Hmm. But I think the biggest part of it is being that prebiotic dietary fiber that it doesn't—it's not really broken down um, and digested. It just kind of sits in your colon and allows this place for good bacteria to grow, slows down your digestion just enough to allow for more nutrient absorption. Um, so inulin's really cool for you gut health. Actions of Goldenrod, um, it's antioxidant and actually shown to be more antioxidant than green tea. <laughs> um, it's diuretic, very strong diuretic, as I mentioned, anti-inflammatory, astringent, which leads to that anti-inflammatory diuretic quality. Um astringent herbs are also very good for diarrhea. Um, and because it's anti-inflammatory, it's going to soothe, mm-hmm. you know, as it, it kind of helps. it It's not like taking modium That's just going to stop yeah. your diarrhea. Herbs that help your body not have diarrhea are doing so by supporting your colon and yes. your gut. And are going to keep you from also ending up on the other end of the spectrum. It helps
1: your body to fight the yes. issue instead of...
0: It's not just covering up the symptom; yeah. it's helping you fight the because it, cause. It, if you
1: remove an issue without fixing the cause or allowing your body to do what it's supposed to do, as well, like it, it breaks this chain of how things work, right? Um, and I think herbs in general just do a very good job of assisting yes. the body.
0: Pharmaceuticals have their place, but a lot of times the way we use them is really just as a band aid. Mm-hmm. Plant medicine's not like that. You can most certainly use plant medicine like that, but it's going to work better if you recognize that plant medicine is there to support your body's natural yes. function. It's not making your body do a thing. It's helping your body do its thing.
1: Yeah. Which, again, is, is why it's important that implant medicine it, to just incorporate it into yes. daily life.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um it's also antifungal. So there were several studies that showed that while goldenrod's antimicrobial in general, it's best used against candida, which is our yeast infections, uh. thrush, your vaginal yeast infections, just yeast infections in general. Um goldenrod showed very promising as being antifungal. Hmm. And carminative, which I had to look up because I didn't know this word. <laughs> But carminative means it relieves flatulence.
1: Oh my. I need some, need of, some that. of that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> As experienced moments before he hit the play button,
1: record the record button. I know what you meant.
0: They did too. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. So, um, goldenrod is very drying. Remember last week I talked about how we were going to discuss the, um, a Word that I've been trying to remember for like the last hour and it has just pooped oh, out yeah, of my the, head.
1: Yes, I know Shama. The uh, the uh, the, 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 the um, yeah, it's gone.
0: I took a whole course on it and I just cannot remember the word the to Scientology. Save my
1: life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> please don't have those people coming after us. The, I know, Shema. no, the um, uh, my brain keeps trying to say actions, but that's not right. No.
1: the wizardry it's something that sounds weird to me yeah spirit the energy energy
0: energetics
1: energetics i knew it was something that i thought was weird white girl stuff but it really wasn't
0: (laughs) i don't know what that means
1: (laughs) sounds like some astrology Um.
0: But yeah. It's not. So the herbal energetics yes. of goldenrod is it's very drying and tightening because of that astringent quality. Mm-hmm. Um. So you can use the leaves and blooms. I did see though where somebody said you can even use the roots, though mostly when you find things about using um, goldenrod, it's usually just the leaves and the mm-hmm. blooms. Um, the blooms are what you want to get um, to make a tea for its allergy relieving effects. Um, the whole plant is, got that diuretic and kidney tonic effect. You can make a topical infusion for your wounds, like as a wound wash. I've done
1: that. It works.
0: Um, the leaves and blooms are, um, can both be used as a styptic poultice to halt bleeding, Mm -hmm. which is the first time I ever used goldenrods. So Georgia was using a mandolin to slice cucumbers, Mm -hmm. I think, or zucchini and her hand slipped and she wasn't using the guard, and her hand slipped down the zucchini and cut the tips of at least two or three fingers. Um, And, of course, those were bleeding quite a bit. And I went into a straight, you know, not panic mode, but straight, i got to fix this mode. And my go-to for bleeding has always been cayenne, which I know Mm -hmm. sounds like it would burn, but that's its taste. Cayenne tastes spicy. It's not burning, though. But apparently that's wrong because I've used it before. I've used it on myself. I've used it on the dogs. And I've never had a problem with anybody using cayenne to clot bleeding. But I put it on her, and I didn't tell her what it was. So it wasn't like a placebo effect. She freaked oh, yeah. the F out. <laughs> and I had to rinse her hands off. And her fingers were still bleeding. And I was oh, like, yeah. okay, so I can't use cayenne. And this was pretty early in, like, my herbal plant medicine journey and mm-hmm. so I didn't have this whole wall of herbs behind me. So I went to my book and I'm looking in my book. Okay, what can I use? Because some of the things all other things I knew I could use I didn't have mm-hmm. um any access to anymore. Like cleavers. I knew you could use cleavers and I had cleaver tincture, but I did not have any dry cleaver and we had mowed up all the cleavers already. So I knew I didn't have cleavers. So I'm looking up and I found goldenrod and we had some right in the backyard. Um, Of course, just the leaves. This was months ago, so there were no blooms. This was like April. Yeah, so I literally just took some leaves, I ripped them into tiny shreds, put them in a paper towel, and wrapped them around her fingers. Mm -hmm. And within minutes, the bleeding stopped, and I was able to put some medicine on them and Band-Aids. Yeah, I
1: remember you telling me that, and I I sliced. I was a little
0: worried we were going to have to go to the doctor to get her fingers stitched up because they were bleeding so much.
1: I had sliced my hand open when I was building the chicken coop. And that's where most of our goldenrod is, is out mm-hmm. there. And I remember that story. Um, So I sliced my hand open and just took a handful of goldenrod leaves and just held it on there. And it worked like yep. that. And they stuck to the wound and I just left them on there and it yep. was like a Band-Aid.
0: Which is how like the natives um, used to use it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Do-do-do-do-do. So I got a lot of people, and I'm gonna make one too. Um, a lot of people using um, goldenrod to make tinctures with. Mm-hmm. But I think you're going. Whereas a tincture is really great, and I'd have to do a little bit more study on um, like goldenrod tincture and its like efficacy. Mm-hmm. But I know goldenrod's solvent is water. Oh, yeah. Um, which you you get some of that aspect of it with alcohol but there's just some components that alcohol pulls out better but the components that you want from goldenrod are pulled out better in like a tea or an infusion yeah um, but you can make a goldenrod tincture and um i wouldn't do it by itself like this would be one of those tinctures where i would make it unless you were using it for like its diuretic properties and even then i would probably suggest using it as a tea but goldenrod's properties combine very well with yarrow nettle and uh elderflower hmm. the nettle nettle stinging nettle is also really good for your allergies yarrow and elderflower also really good for like colds and flus yes
1: Immune system yes. in general. Yes, so
0: this is just a, these four kind of make a really good combination for like your cough, cold, and flu season. Mm-hmm. So I'm probably going to be making some of that because I have all those things. Uh, nice. Um, and that's, that's that. That's the disrespected, useful native weed goldenrod.
1: And in the ditch. I was going to repeat like the quote you said, but I couldn't remember it. No. But that is cool with it. Because we have tons of goldenrod, it is like a staple around here. That's very cool. I actually learned some stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's, I knew a that's lot about goldenrod. Gold. Yeah, now we've I know been talking about more. it a lot lately. Um, we drove to the store yesterday, um, and the the youngest decided to go with us. And the whole way there, you, she just kept going goldenrod, goldenrod.
2: There's goldenrod, goldenrod. There's goldenrod.
0: <laughs> Every time we passed a bushel of it, she'd point it out. Which warms my heart that she's learning about these things, too. I love seeing her kind of absorb it all.
1: She's the hippie baby. Yeah. She loves it so much. I
0: do, too.
1: Like, we have two hippie. um, Both of our daughters are very hippie-like. But there's, like, different
0: types of hippie. Different ends of the spectrum. Yeah.
1: One's the flower girl, and one's the... Peace, love, and harmony. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was trying to figure out how to say that. So, for homecoming week um, at school, they had to do, like, this throwback Tuesday, and our oldest aid group was supposed to be from the 70s, Yeah. which you can get, like, 70s are very in right now, and, like, Walmart and uh, Target and stuff, and so I got her these, like, tie-dye looking bell-bottom pants and, like, a little crop-top t-shirt, um... That was from some like hippie tour and then she had the big glasses and and just
1: uh, the whole, whole get up.
0: And it, it fit her so well. Yeah, like that yeah, was one hundred percent her personality. But it was that it was the peace, love yeah. and harmony seventies <laughs> hippie. Um yeah. not the the f- covered in flowers and probably smoking weed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they all smoked weed. They all smoked weed, yeah.
1: yeah. Not our daughters, just to be clear. Uh, we don't talk about the bag of weeds. we don't talk about, about the bag native of tree now. Do you want to guess? I guessed yours.
0: Are, this is gonna be our thing now.
1: Yeah, this is our thing now. Um, you have to guess. Are you
0: her. are you going back to the Prunus family this time? Oh,
1: no, <laughs> no, not even close. And you won't get this one because I, I didn't even know. I, I, this has been a today thing.
0: But it's a native tree.
1: It is a native tree.
0: That you just learned about today.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I've known the name, but I found one. I'll address the confusion in just a second. But
0: Is it a type of oak?
1: No, 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 no. no.
0: Does it make fruit?
1: It does make berries.
0: It's the one you sent me a picture of that, that I, I, I only have asked Fred of. to text yeah, about. This was my
1: test. <laughs> This is my test to see if you look at my text messages.
0: Oh no! <laughs> you text me that while I was napping.
1: Oh uh, well, you should have woke up.
0: It's similar to so, the elderberry. It's very what you thought they were elderberry. So I went
1: down there, and from a distance, from I a read distance,
2: half the text
1: from a distance they look very, very. I mean, I thought it was elderberry trees because they're kind of down in the woods, right? And that little alleyway with all the muscadine vines. Yeah. And they've been blooming. I'm like, man, those are blooming really late for elderberries. Everything else has already dropped. Um, but, oh, well, I'm going to check them when they get close. And I was riding by that a while yeah. ago. And I was like, hey, deep purple berries are ready. I was so excited. I was going to go take a picture and send it to you. and be like, we got freaking elderberries. And then I was like, whoa, why are there thorns on the tree? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay, let me rephrase. And I do not advocate this process for anyone. Um, please listen to the disclaimer. And this is my disclaimer to not do what I do. So.
0: <laughs> listen to us, but don't listen to us.
1: So I tried the berry. <laughs> oh my and I was like, that is not an elderberry. It tastes nothing like an elderberry. Um, and I'm like, so I'm, I'm like, what? This is an elderberry. Obviously, because the up close, the berry clusters are different. Like the the little clusters look slightly different. The leaves are obviously different. Um, It's actually touted as having the biggest leaves of any North American native tree. Um, Not the not the leaflets itself, but the way that the leaf, like you have the leaf with the leaflets on it.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, And I was just thinking about like. Sycamore leaves are pretty big. Yeah, yeah, Magnolia yeah. Magnolia yeah. leaves yeah, are pretty like big. Yeah, not like single
1: leaflets, like the okay. leaf cluster itself, the okay. leaf formation. Um, I am talking about Aurelia spinosa.
0: That's a fun name. Yes. That, that sounds Hogwarts-ish.
1: It is in the ginseng family. Oh. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's cool.
1: And it is commonly known as the devil's walking stick. Hence, I do remember hence seeing the that. the thorns. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense because... The I remember reading th- that in your thorn- text message now. The thorns are quite gnarly. Um, And it's confused with another species that I'll talk about in a minute. Like So there's a lot of crossover names because they, they're they both in the ginseng family. And they both have a lot of crossover characteristics. Um, So names like Hercules Club or Prickly Ash or Prickly Elder mm-hmm. um, can get confused... And the main one that gets confused is the toothache tree. Um, because...
0: I thought you were calling this the toothache tree.
1: It A lot of people do. Okay. And we'll get into that. That's a whole like
0: But then you just... Uh, you, argument. you left it at that, so I just dumped it out of my brain. Yeah. Now that you're yeah. talking about it, I'm remembering your text message, yeah. but...
1: It is also commonly called also the Angelica asleep. tree. And these... It, really neatly, it's a pretty common like north american staple especially among the natives and pioneers mm-hmm. like it is one of the like prime medicinal trees hmm. so and i want you to do an episode on this later in the future because you do it better than me but i dove in today and i learned a lot of stuff about it yeah so, Let's go there. It is a deciduous shrub. It can grow seven to 26 foot tall. And the bad news is the little elderberry tree I was going to dig up and come plant for you that I found in there. It's a devil's walking stick. Um, And so defining characteristics of it, I did not write any of this down, but I can tell you offhand. um, It does have like long clusters, uh, arrangements of leaflets. Um, It looks similar to clusters of elderberry but it's slightly it's bigger more fanned out clusters the berries look super similar but the big thing is if you find an elderberry tree that will stab your ass you, <laughs> you're looking at um a devil's walking stick so as we get into aurelia spinosa or there's a lot of aurelia trees but aurelia spinosa in particular Um, so first we start off with, is it edible? That tends to be the first question you get about any plant that you Mm -hmm. talk about. Um, so the berries, I ate one. I did not die. Yet. Case closed. (laughs) No, so the berries is much like, um, the toxicity of say, maybe not, it's mildly toxic, like berry mildly. Um, so a lot like a weaker pokeberry. And it's actually used Mm -hmm. for rheumatism like pokeberries. So you can eat one, two, three, four, five, and be fine. But you do not want to just engulf handfuls of berries. Mm -hmm. So it's a very mildly toxic berry. Are they
0: like elderberry in that you have to wait for them to be ripe enough?
1: Yes, yes. And you can very much tell. And that was one of the biggest differences I noticed between like the elderberries all turned... Kind of the same time.
2: hmm
1: Like, this one had some really deep purple berries and some very green berries, like, on the same mm-hmm. cluster. Um, but they are, they are edible. They are very mildly toxic, so approach with caution. Um, the leaves are edible. Um, I, I noticed... Which
0: is different than an elderberry tree.
1: Yes, a lot of research that I f- found, nearly every article, um... Mentioned eating the young leaves and cooking them down just like you would greens or anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, now you want to get them while they're young because at a certain point they get prickles that harden on them. Um, so you want to get them while they're young and tender. You know,
0: another thing that amazes me what's that? That I was learning, like, thanks to TikTok cause TikTok teaches me a lot of things, but most of the leaves to like. Our vegetables that we cultivate and stuff
2: mm-hmm.
0: are edible. Yeah. And so, like, one of the healthiest ways to get so many of your vitamins is, quote, eat your greens. Yep. And yep. then we talk about how hard it is and how expensive it is. And, but literally you have trees and <laughs> weeds <laughs> that, that most are of which. edible and higher in nutrients yes. than your store-bought stuff. So it's literally the easiest way to get your nutrients is to just eat what's in your backyard. And this is going
1: to go even deeper. And I'm not both feed on the evolutionary stuff. But humans do adapt. We are adapted to certain climates, lifestyles, Mm -hmm. things of that nature. Yeah. Um, So now in an age where a lot of people have moved around a lot and stuff. but, But if you... Say your family's been here for generations, right? Um, and you're kind of in the same, like us. Like I'm like the seventh generation or so on this farm.
0: I thought you were fifth and the kids are sixth.
1: Yes, I'm well, farming it. But now there was, before that, like prior family. Oh, okay. So like a hundred, almost a couple hundred years mm-hmm. of my family in this one spot. And I truly believe now I haven't done like laboratory scientific research on this that humans are adapted to certain climates and areas mm-hmm. so the things the nutrients and the foods and the medicines that you find in a certain climate that you are also adapted to are going to be very well suited um very well suited to your needs because that's how ecosystems work like squirrels that live in right. southeast Alabama are going to be much more adapted to the plant life here right. than squirrels in Washington State. And I think humans would work the same way. Yeah. But, <clears throat> because ultimately that's how nature works. And we're still a part of nature.
2: Yes. Now
1: we're humans, but we're still a part of it. So, anyway. And blueberries. like uh, I think somebody said that the blueberry leaves are higher in antioxidants mm-hmm. and stuff than, than the, the blueberry, blueberry itself. itself. Yep. Which is
0: in, wasn't interesting. I saw I did see that TikTok and I found mm-hmm. that interesting because the anthocyanins is what gives blueberries
2: mm-hmm.
0: that purple color and that's the antioxidant yes. property. So when he said that I was like, but but they've got that coloring and that color is what gives them Mm -hmm. So I just found it interesting that the leaves have more and your leaves are a blueberry or not. And
1: in the same realm, we're still talking about a a berry with that purplish color. And as we've said before, any berries or fruit with that purplish color tend to be very high in antioxidants. Whether that be beauty berries or purple, muscadines, grapes, um, elderberry, blueberries, Mm -hmm. blackberries, all very high in antioxidants. And all because of that. Deep purple um, coloration.
0: Did I say that right? Anthocyanins. That doesn't sound right. I have
1: no idea. That's a big word, baby. I do. I do <laughs> layman's terms on this end. Um. So anyway, you can eat the berries in very small amounts, and you can eat the young leaves to get your vitamins. Now, to the toothache tree issue, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's what I told you it was about. Like. When I first just Googled it, Yeah, like right off the top of that, this can be known as the toothache tree. I was um, right.
0: It's anthocyanins. Okay.
1: Then you also have xanthoxylums, which is like the toothache tree.
0: I'm so proud of you. Yeah,
1: that was a, yeah, that was a big word, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Round of applause Good for your boy, Jerry Wayne. Um, so, xanthoxylums <laughs> is. So, I've heard of people taking this for a toothache. Um. And it literally works like what's the, like, aura gel. Like, it literally numbs your mouth. Like, I think another word for that tree. I've heard
0: of a toothache plant. I didn't know there was a toothache tree.
1: Yeah. This is, um, it actually has another name for it is tingly tongue. Oh. Yeah. Like, it literally. Numbs it. Is Interesting. Is better and more potent. I think it was, I actually think it was, again, the plant talk, native plant talk, Kyle Arberger, on his podcast, when he was talking to um, the lady I sent you on Instagram, I really loved that episode because it merged his native plant conservation in with her plant medicine in. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, that's a good idea. We should do that. <laughs> <laughs> a hillside Pharmacy with an F. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Anyway, so he was talking about they were out in the field and he had a tooth that was really hurting. And I think one of his buddies gave him some of that. And he's like, that was way better than Origel. Wow. Um, So, this is they're both confused and both called the toothache tree. I would give the toothache that the toothache title. Um, but as I did my research, this was still heavily used for toothaches, um, but less so from its numbing agents and more so as an anti inflammatory. Okay. Um, so still works. Like if you have, so you
0: could take both and get pain relief and actual healing properties. The
1: magical toothache duo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and both native, by the way. Hey. So, very cool. But the confusion is, um, it is commonly confused with that other tree. I'm not going to say that word too much because I might blow my, uh, the one time that I nailed it. Um, so, while it is not technically the toothache tree, the Devil's Walking Stick, it does possess anti-inflammatory pain-relieving qualities. And historically, like historically, meaning natives, pioneers, mm mm-hmm. Um, a long time back, folk in folk medicine, a tincture has been made of the berries um, that was used to dull pain. And most of the studies that I saw specifically said for like rotting teeth. Like if you had a rotting tooth with a toothache, this was the tree that you tinctured the berries and you took that specifically for tooth pain. Yeah. So I, I think it's less confusion amongst the trees more so than it is. They're both, They're both specifically for yeah. used for toothaches. Um, then in Donald Colros Piatti's
2: mm-hmm.
1: book called A Natural History of Trees, which was written in 1950, he stated that the inner bark has the property of curing the toothache and that the patient would roll it up like the inner bark into the size of a bean and put it on the aching tooth itself.
0: And is yeah. that the... This is this tree. This is the devil's walking stick. Okay. Yes, the
1: Aurelia. Um, so they're both the toothache tree. Yeah. Uh, To me, I was going, that was the main gist of my study was which one is really a toothache tree? Why are they confused? Um, so I just really wanted to tackle that because I didn't want to talk about this as a toothache tree and everybody would be like, well, he's talking about the wrong tree. He got Like, But they're both historically used, um, for specifically toothaches. So they're both toothache trees. Um, let's dive into my favorite, which is native use of the plant itself. And the Cherokee used the inner bark and berries as anti-inflammatory pain relievers for rheumatism and sore teeth with inflamed gums. Um, so once again, dating all the way back to the natives, it was a tooth remedy. Um, but that's what land itself too Reading of this and some other studies that I saw, just it's highly anti inflammatory qualities. Yeah. Is what lends itself to that. Which
0: is going to be a lot of your problem with like toothaches. Yes.
1: Yeah. That's, it's all inflammation. Like yeah. when I historically <clears throat> have had a toothache, I just pop about eight ibuprofen. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And that's what it's doing. It's anti inflammatory. If you can yeah. get the inflammation to go away, the pain's going to go away. Yeah. Um. So that would be what you would use this tree for. Now this was really cool, and this book is already in my Amazon cart, <laughs> and I think you're gonna love it. So I'm probably just gonna donate it to your apothecary library.
0: I mean, it should stay in here anyway. Yes,
1: the apothecary. We both. Work you out can make this a word thing. out of that. The labroca. Uh,
0: no, yeah. you, you you got it with the apothecary. Apothecary from my library. Apothecary. Okay. But I think I think that was it.
1: So let's go into this history for just a second. Yeah, just let it do its thing. Um, during the Civil War, right, so the North had blockaded the South Mm -hmm. from access to getting in any medicine Mm -hmm. to treat, um, specifically wounds and stuff like that, that Mm -hmm. an army would typically need during the war, right? And logistically, it had become an issue. Um, well, lab studies were performed showing antimicrobial and... antimicrobial activity against a multi-drug-resistant bacteria associated with wound infection. Infection. Um, so not only is it anti-inflammatory, it's highly, highly, highly antimicrobial.
0: See, again, this is going to bring me <laughs> back to where we were. What did we talk about? Last week we talked about garlic. Yeah. yeah. This whole idea that we have multi-drug-resistant ant- bacteria, specifically right. staph, like staph infections are bad enough, but then you add if it's the multi-resistant mm-hmm. strain of it, and then if they just talk like they end up giving you these very 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 harsh antibiotics to treat it, but all of your herbal antibiotics and your plant medicine that were wow. used for infections have been shown.
1: This was in a lab. This was an act. I read I the actual. But I it,
0: even the even goldenrod. Yeah. I didn't touch on that because Goldenrod's not primarily known for its antimicrobial, yeah. but there was an article that looked at its antimicrobial uses yeah. against staff.
1: This was a published article that a med student actually wrote, or it might have been a doctor, that was actually pushing for looking at more um, native plant remedies to introduce into modern medicine because they work better than right. What we
0: have. Like so, how so. <laughs> do we just sit here and throw harsh antibiotics at these drug resistant? Yeah. And we fear ca- We fear making drug resistant strains mm. of bacteria. Completely neglecting that the majority of your plants that have antimicrobial properties will take care of it. Yep. And the the bacteria can't become resistant to them.
1: And you might get a threefer. Because it wasn't the only thing that they did in that study. So this is going to be like native trees for the win, right? Yeah. So there were three trees that came away with these that worked, that they used throughout the remainder of the Civil War because they were proven exceptional Mm -hmm. in lab studies. Um, One being the devil's walking stick. And you might think, well, I don't have many of those around. Well, you got some of these. Um, White oak and tulip trees.
0: Yeah. Those are antimicrobial
1: Yes, white Very oak. Cool. In this study, white oak, tulip tree, and devil's walking stick were shown in labs to be an- heavily mi- antimicrobial um, against multi-drug resistant bacteria. I
0: can't say that we've seen a lot of white oak around here, but we we've definitely have a lot it's of tulips.
1: I mean, most That's
0: probably more common back. Yeah, then.
1: you don't find a ton of white oaks, but they are yeah around. And when you um, find one, big. And when especially when you have a lot of tulips. Yeah, in the whole southeast region, you're going to find a lot of tulips, especially once you get up around Appalachia. Um, but stretching into Alabama, I mean, there's tulip trees yeah. everywhere. Um, and one right I, I would look into because it's very closely related to the tulip tree is I would look into sycamore as well. I wouldn't throw it out of the conversation. Yeah. I don't know if they looked into that. But. These were the three these were the three trees that came away as very useful antiseptics.
0: Um, when you throw in that um the Russians used garlic in World mm-hmm. War Two when they weren't able to get antibiotics for their yeah. wounds, they used garlic. Yeah. <laughs> that's how soon that's how recent plant medicine was like a big thing. Yeah. And not just this little crunchy mama thing. Like, World War II, governments and armies were using garlic to treat wounds because they couldn't get antibiotics.
1: Well, the book, the guy that did this research, they hired, um, the South actually hired a botanist. He wasn't even, like, a doctor. Yeah. They're like, okay, this ain't working. Let's get the botanist in here. Yeah. <laughs> and his name was Mr. Francis Porcher. And I found the book that he wrote for the Confederate Army, um, which is called Resources of the Southern Fields and Forests, Medicinal, Economical, and Agricultural. Um,
2: That's neat. So
1: they had a botanist put them together a book of what is native, what is in the southeast, what is accessible that we can use for anything that we need, whether it might be medicinal or economical. or Yeah. Whatever it might be.
0: Which makes sense. I mean, yeah. th- if they're like, going to cut you off. This is where we're off, at.
1: We're cut off. What can we do? you got to learn
0: to let off, live off the land. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what we're trying to do.
1: <laughs> but I mean.
0: Please cut me off.
1: Please. I'm, <laughs> society can collapse. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'm looking forward to it. It'll
0: be hard, but we're going to figure yeah. it out.
1: Yeah. I would rather things be hard than whatever this bull crap is we got going on right now. What are you doing? I don't my phone in. Oh okay. No, well, that's not it. <laughs> You're good. Um, so going back to the natives, I just want to throw in that tidbit about Civil War because that was a very, that was
0: that's a very practical, yeah, application for and what we interesting here on the historically.
1: Podcast. Yeah, yeah, that like that was that was the most. This podcast fitting thing I've ever read in my life. (laughs) Um, Also, Iroquois women, going back to the natives, um, Iroquois women getting away from some of the medicinal stuff, they placed the flowers in their hair because of the lemony smell. Oh. And it actually became, the flowers became traded as money. Like, they were heavily traded. So.
0: Are the flowers medicinal?
1: Um, I haven't looked much. From what I read, bark berries was like the two Mm -hmm. big things on this tree even i had i had a couple studies that came up saying that you could actually break out from the roots but also that the best bark to use is from the roots right and going into more we'll go into a second that it's anti-inflammatory qualities are actually good for skin irritations
0: I like how a lot of skin irritating relieving plants have <laughs> irritate also, your skin <laughs> right can also possibly irritate your skin, but that just probably goes along with the like you can have too much of a good thing.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Kind of concept. Um, and just to run down a short list of things that I, I'm sure once you get your hands on it, you should be able to find a bunch about this. I haven't. I browsed through a couple of your books, but not like really looking for it. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's when I ran into the contradictions between the two different trees. I'm like, I don't even know exactly what i'm looking for so um but just a brief rundown of other stuff that didn't seem to be as researched as its anti-inflammatory and antimicrobial qualities um was it the bark was used for cough and cold um and i've actually and for wheezing um like if you like upper Mm -hmm. respiratory issues um some of these were shown in a couple of articles that i read um one of them said that the leaves can reduce risk of getting affected by hypersensitivity. Like ADHD. That's
0: why I was trying to think. If that's what the kind of hypersensitivity you were talking <laughs> yes, about. Yes,
1: because let me lead it into this. Um, that the dried leaves can be used as an antidepressant. Okay. Yeah. So once I read that in several different, like, I only read the hypersensitive thing in like one article, but then several, several, several articles mentioned its use as his dried leaves used for um, antidepressant qualities.
0: That's very interesting.
1: Yeah. I thought that was cool. Yeah. And then also that the dried leaves are also used for curing um, sub anemic blood. So that would be like low iron. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm hmm. So that that would just lead me to believe little iron, little that blood, it has little. high amounts of iron it in could, it. It could, or it could have
0: or it could have uh, compounds that like boost your mm-hmm. um things that make blood in your body. Yeah. That sounded really could do, yeah. professional. There. That was very professional. <laughs> what um, plant? We are talking about The Devil's
1: Walking Stick. If you uh, We're Google- talking
0: about a tree currently. Yeah.
1: Yes, it is a tree and devil's walking stick is its common name aurelia spinosa
0: and thanks so much for the roses
1: absolutely and i will have i've recorded a short video for tiktok um that i will i will include all of its plant names in so that you can research more for yourself but is yeah that, that was that was all because because i found it this afternoon and i was yeah. like i'm doing this because i need to dig in and learn about it anyway so i might as well Nothing motivates like, hey, I would Have, to, do, record a yeah, I have to record
0: a podcast in an hour. Yeah, I have to so. record a
1: podcast in an hour. And while I have heard of this tree, this is my first encounter with it on our place. Yeah. So I had a lot of... I do
0: remember seeing the the blooms um, when we thought we had found And thinking a, of an elderberry. And yeah. just think it was very odd because it wasn't elderberry season anymore. Yeah. But just going with it. Yeah. Like from a dist- we don't know what we're doing. From a distance,
1: the trees are like the same size the same shape it from a, the clusters the flowers especially look very similar the same color yeah. formed the same way it wasn't until i got right up on it to say, today from
0: afar it looked like yeah. an elderberry tree and i got
1: up on it today i'm like elderberries don't have thorns nope. <laughs> so i'm like let me are you gonna cover dinner. elderberry i am gonna let you cover <laughs> elderberry <laughs>
0: If you're just joining this episode of the podcast, he has told me that in the last two.
1: Three. <laughs> so anyway, anyway. But yeah, that's all I got. But I leave it there. I'm gonna leave it open ended there because I do want to hear your take. Um Okay. You- See what, see what you can find on it. It yeah. might be way in the future. But I probably. I'm, we, I'm
0: going back to my culinary herbs next yeah, week. I
1: definitely want to touch on this some more and just see.
0: And now I'm glad that we touched on Goldenrod, um, seeing as how just like completely disrespected it has been throughout yeah. the centuries. I'm glad that I gave it its due.
1: When society uh, collapses, episode. Goldenrod is going to rise up and defeat the robots for us. It's going to be like... <laughs> The underdog, the hero that comes from the like, ashes. Yeah,
0: it has such good qualities, and I mean, and it's pretty, and it's pretty, and it just, it just got straight up disrespected, like all the way back in the 1500s, yeah. man.
1: But now the whole state flower thing, like all state, like ugh, I, we've discussed on here before, the Cherokee rose, which is, I love the history of. It. it is not native. It is okay. So in the state of Georgia, it is listed as invasive. And it's the state flower. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Yeah, absolutely. And mo- you'll find that most. So most states have gone to to putting out like a state wildflower, and trying yeah. to the the best place. I don't
0: understand why there's a difference.
1: And I have seen a lot of states doing, um, from a conservation. Like, the DOT and stuff doing, like, roadside designated wildflower areas. I have
0: seen that. There's several spots in Florida.
1: I've seen from other states that are doing it. I I think it was somewhere in North Carolina, which would typically be pretty good at something like this. Yeah. But, like, closer away from the Appalachians, um, where they were doing designated wildflower areas, but they were using, like... Invasive wildflowers, <laughs> invasive non-native. Nice. I'm like you're North Carolina. You got the best of everything,
0: right? Like literally all the greatest native yeah. plants grow just fine in North Carolina. Yes.
1: But now, what I have seen done in Florida, um, like down on 77 and uh-huh. by some of the bridges and stuff, they got designated wildflower areas, and they're like
0: a whole corner of an and intersection. It's all native stuff, and it's yeah. pretty,
1: and it's great, and I like your black-eyed Susans. And- but you know, we have so many. As many subdivisions and suburbs and roads and everything that's popping up. More roads, I don't like it, but with more roads come more roadsides. (laughs) I mean, we have plenty of area where we could utilize native species and just roadside wildflower areas, but like this this past week. And
0: most, your wildflowers are, if they're not perennials, they seed.
1: Yes, so even if it's an so annual... So now you they... plant
0: all these annuals. <laughs> the idea of planting annuals just blows my mind. Yeah, they make they, more. <laughs> most of them don't do anything for you. They're yeah. very picky and hard to keep alive and maintain. And then they don't regrow the next year. Well, here's the
1: thing. That if it's a native wildflower, here's your difference. is perennials... Die back, but regrow from the from same, the same root, system. root system, where annuals will grow and then die. But they seed, so the next year you'll also get new annuals Yeah. that grow. And if it's a native wildflower, nature is going to run its course and do its thing. And you're not going to have to put really any labor into the wildflowers doing the thing. It would save money on Roundup. It would save money on roadside mowing. I mean, like just this past week on the there's a back road. That's
0: the problem, isn't it?
1: Yeah, there's a back road on my way to work that's beside a highway, and there was chickasaw plums back in there um, this past year. They didn't make any plums like many of them around here, but that wasn't their fault. It late frost thing. Um, There's oak trees. There was goldenrod, and last week, like uh, the city just came through and sprayed the whole side of the woods, and now it's just brown. There's like no houses there. There's no like for no reason whatsoever. Just like sprayed it. So and I'm not again. I'm not coming at that from an a completely anti-herbicide.
0: There's a time point and a place There's for it. There's a time and a place.
1: It's a tool, but to use it mindlessly. Yeah. yeah when when it's not needed or necessary, and you're actually harming the ecosystem rather than using it to benefit whether that be agriculture or natural ecosystems then you're it's it's ignorance and it's dumb,
0: and it's saddening,
1: yeah absolutely, but anyway, above all, nature's gonna do its thing like I love seeing uh Wildflowers popping up through like concrete and
0: stuff. Yes, that's yeah. so cool.
1: Like nature's gonna win.
0: Like St. John's wort, mullein, yeah. yarrow, all these just really powerful herbs straight up don't care. Yeah.
1: yeah. So just let you know if you wanted them in your yard, it would probably be a lot less work than yeah. the stuff you're planting because it's gonna grow. Um, But I say all that to say that nature's gonna do its thing because nature knows more than we do.
0: Just gotta learn about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs>